The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. That was the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, speaking about the ongoing war uh, in Israel and in the Gaza Strip. Uh, we're going to speak in a moment to John O'Brien uh, from Maynooth University uh, to get a kind of a broader view of, of where we're at and where this is going and whether a strategy at all is emerging from the tactics. But first, Mahmoud Shaladan is with me. He is a recently retired engineer with Cork County Council who found himself with his wife in Gaza on October 7th when Hamas carried out their terrorist attacks which precipitated this retaliation from the Israelis. Uh, Mahmoud, you're, you're welcome to the show. Um, how, how did you get out of Gaza? Uh, thanks for having me first and I appreciate your time and all efforts. I was I had a call on uh, at 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday the 7th um, persistent call because I was in bed and uh, and finally at 10 to 7 I picked up the phone and it was my nephew in the city of Gaza telling me to back up and get out as soon as you can because I bought an apartment in a, a multi-story uh, close to the beach uh, in a secure compound type of things with uh, you know services and supermarket and stuff and that was meant to be my place for retirement but um, we got out uh, with my wife and sister was with me and her husband and uh, on the way uh, she's, she said she had a call from her mom to say look stop by I need to see you so I dropped her at her parents' home, which is in a little bit on the north of the city. And I drove to my nephew in this heavily dense populated area in, in Gaza City. Um, I was hoping that we can still get there and get her over, but unfortunately things escalated worse. And I felt the only way out really because my sister is uh, getting on a bit and had a you know problem health problem mm. her husband is partially blind and they came because i wanted them to celebrate my retirement in the place where i was born yeah so so i was like responsible really talking them on from asked them to come from saudi arabia to cairo and i brought them down to Gaza, so I had to find uh, and call a driver who would be brave enough to drive us to the crossing to get to Egypt. Uh, he couldn't do it on a Sunday. He said, look, tomorrow morning, 6.30, I will see. Leave it to me. I'll see how you know good or bad. Luckily, he turned up, and we were ready, and we got in a taxi and we drove to the Rafah crossing. There was the old uh, rocket scene in the sky, but to be honest, the road was nice and clear. There was okay. hardly any. And we got to the crossing without even giving the uh, going through the procedure of getting uh, approval to leave because the because it's Gaza is under siege. You can only get into the city if you have a relative to show up at the crossing mm. or 
you you have a, a, a permit to be there, but we we had a nephew to get us in. To, now to leave, you have to go to what they call it the passport office, and you have to ask them that I want to leave on a certain time. That wasn't available, so we had to rush. We were very lucky that my sister, with her uh, stick, managed to persuade the the whole manager who is looking after the Palestinian side of the crossing uh, to ask to, to let us sit down uh, in the morning and we will see. I think he was trying to find if there is enough seats at okay. the very end of the day because there was people turning up who had booked to leave on the 9th. So they had to fill the buses first and see. Luckily, by 1.30, we managed to get on a bus. Little did we know that this bus would be the last to leave to Egypt. So you, you thought, sorry, you, you, you fully yeah. thought that you, your wife would follow with, with her mother. Was that it? Yes, yeah. But I missed to say that I did ask the driver to drive to the north of the city. And he said, you must be joking. I can't. It's very dangerous. You can't. And I said, but I'm going to have to get my wife. She said, I'm sorry. That's the end of my mission, if that's what you want. So I thought, well, this sister and her husband is my responsibility, and I wanted to get to safety. So I thought, okay, drive on. So we left um, my wife behind. I spoke to her uh, when I got to Egypt, and I said, don't worry. Even if you were here, you haven't got the visa to come to Ireland anyway. So it's best still that we wait for the appeal because we she has yeah. applied to join me. And unfortunately, it was declined. There's more paperwork to be done. And I had to submit an appeal. Luckily for me, I had a, a colleague of mine here in court who wrote up the appeal and submitted it on my behalf. Yeah. So the appeal to the immigration went through. But she still couldn't just come to Egypt and join me to Ireland. So I said, don't worry, stay there. And hopefully in a few days' time, there will be a ceasefire. And obviously, obviously that, that, that hasn't happened. And like I said, we're going to speak to John O'Brennan in a moment to get a sense of, okay, I mean, whether that might happen or where this is going. But uh, Mahmoud, when have you last spoken to your wife? Are you in constant contact with her? How is she? I don't honestly know. You see, the, on the 11th of October, I was able to assure her that once I'm, you know, once there's a ceasefire, you can come over and I am in Egypt. And when I was trying to reach her, there was no electricity, so she couldn't charge her phone. And they were trying to target the north side of the city from the Gaza Valley to the north by giving them less services and, and no internet so they can move to the south. Now, her family, unfortunately, some has, some has moved, but her family don't have anyone down south. They don't, they don't know where to go in the south. They can't just displace people out, so they stayed in place. Now, since then, obviously, watching the news, uh, I have had three occasions where their area where they live in has had a bombardment, had a fair okay. share of, which meant really and truly up to now, I don't really know whether she's 
life or oh, passed gosh. away or been, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult. I don't want to assume the worst, but I'm hoping that, you know, they are still alive. I hope so. So what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm having um, to lodge an appeal has already reached to Mr. Michal Martin office to see if she okay. can be considered like a European passport holder, which haven't really been allowed out yet. But no. I hope, I hope and pray that once he's back from China, he can look at my request on his desk Okay. And I might have, uh, you know, uh, and uh, my appeal uh, well, heard by him. We we all we all hope uh, for positive news in that regard, Mahmoud. Thank you for joining us, Mahmoud Shaladan, uh, who, as I say, has been working recently with Cork County Council, retired and found himself right there in the middle of things uh, when all of this started on October seventh. Uh, John O'Brennan is with me, uh, the professor and Jean Monet chair of the European of European Integration at Maynooth University. John. I mean, we've seen the tactics uh, that the Israelis have been uh, deploying for the last uh, month. Have you any sense of what strategy is emerging from those tactics, if any? Well, first, Kieran, I think we must understand the incredible shock engendered by the 7th of October attacks mm. in Israel. They'd never experienced anything like this before in their history. And Bound up with this, I think, is the reputation of Benjamin Netanyahu. There's a really good piece in Harit's newspaper, very respected Israeli newspaper today, detailing just how much latitude Netanyahu gave Hamas. He was content year after year to put up with Hamas and even to funnel resources from Qatar and elsewhere to keep Hamas in power in Gaza. But the explicit promise he made Israelis was, we will keep them over there and we will keep you safe. That all ended on the 7th of October. And I think a lot of what has happened since is about Netanyahu's government overreacting to what happened, reacting with emotion and by a desire for revenge and trying to shore up their very, very difficult position. Because remember, this is a very unpopular government anyway. There'd been hundreds of thousands of Israelis out in the streets protesting them earlier in the year. And so I can't help but think that part of what's happened since then is about Netanyahu trying to compensate for these enormous security failures which led to the 7th of October attacks. And their answer has been just to go in wildly to Gaza to pummel everything in sight. And the result is there are 10,000 Palestinians who are dead, probably 4,000 or more of those children. I cannot see where the logic is. Um, what happens when every last Hamas terrorist has been rooted out of Gaza? Israel will return merely to where it was before 2005 as the occupying force. Now, can you imagine Israeli soldiers, what they might face in Gaza if they were to be the occupying force again after everything that's happened over the last month. I just can't see that happening. The alternative to that is one that's been discussed in recent days, which is that some kind of international peacekeeping force might uh, be sent into Gaza, whether that's through the UN or under yeah. the aegis of the African Union. Um, again, I think that will be very, very difficult, such as the degree of hostility between the two parties. Uh, you can imagine what those peacekeepers would have to face. And remember that Gaza is about 30 miles long and about six miles wide, and you have 
more than 2 million people there. I think whatever is going to happen is going to be very, very difficult indeed. Uh, to what extent is there a need for kind of, uh, how, how would I describe them, kind of uh, international uh, peace partners, if that's the, if that's kind of the right terminology, that, you know, again, to deploy and, and, and the, the, the example or the experience of Northern Ireland, you know, we might never have gotten to where we were without pressure from the European Union and the United States, that yeah. you need similar external pressure in Israel and Gaza. One of the few positive things that we can point to over the last month is that we haven't seen the ignition of a wider regional conflict. There was a lot of speculation early on that Hezbollah would be drawn in, that that Iran would be drawn into the conflict and the Arab states. But unlike 1973 and 1967, for example, the Arab states absolutely are opposed to war. Mm. And I think a lot of the US diplomacy that's been going on in the background has been trying to ensure that the Arab countries that surround Israel remain like that, but also... And, and, and John, let's be honest, I mean, displays of US hard power. They sent two carrier groups to the Mediterranean. They did. I think that was very early on, and it was an explicit signal to Hezbollah and to Iran in particular. But I actually don't believe that either Hezbollah or Iran want an all-out conflict with Israel, and certainly not with the United States, because they know they couldn't possibly win this. So I, I think the diplomacy is important because the Arab states surrounding Israel might well be part of the uh, solution that will follow when we eventually get to the point where a ceasefire is called. They're going to have a very important role, mm -hmm. whether it is providing peacekeepers or in some other form. But I think it's equally important to understand that there are no peace partners at all in the region. Netanyahu's government is full of these ultra supremacists. They are not going to settle for peace. You framed this conversation with Netanyahu's remarks. Does that sound like a man who is ready for peace? No. I don't think so. The same is true on the other side. Hamas certainly don't want to negotiate with Israel. And the Palestinian Authority is incredibly weak, and some see it even as a proxy for the Israeli government. I cannot see the Palestinian Authority going back into Gaza. There was almost a civil war between them and Hamas in 2006. They have very little authority at all in that region. So the problem is there really are no partners for peace at all. John O'Brennan is Professor and Jean-Monet Chair of European Integration at Maynooth University. John, thank you very much uh, for joining us here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.